Hello and welcome back to the CIN podcast. That is the Corona Investing Network. The co-ID. My name is Manish and I'm here today with Patient Zero. Patient Zero, exactly. (laughs) The the man himself who you can blame for all of your investing troubles, Abby. How's it going, buddy? It's actually going pretty good. How you doing? Healthy, healthy. So Jacob yeah. played very well, very well. Not patient zero, I'll tell you that. Well, buddy, I feel very uh, refreshed after a brief jaunt to Miami. Uh, and well, why don't out. we tell people what date it is before we yeah, all right, keep going enough. on? All right, relax. Well, because yeah, because because you can't say I feel really refreshed, and then we tell people the date, and then you're like, "How's Manish refreshed?" Uh, it is Saturday, February 29th, um, and I am coming off the Benzinga conference in Miami. And Abby, you were just traveling in California. Yeah, I was in LA, um, but I'm coming off the worst stock market week since the 2008 <laughs> financial crisis, uh, yeah, which well, happened earlier today or Friday. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're, so. we're capping off what has been an absolutely disastrous week for the broader markets. Uh, well, I should say we should say a very bad week for broader markets, an absolutely catastrophic week for cannabis markets. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So yeah, we're just talk- fears all around. Yeah, we're going to talk about um, what what is going on. Um, you know what what's happened in the broader markets, what's happened in the cannabis markets, what this means, and how it relates to sort of our continued warnings that we've been putting out for the last six weeks, um, and how to play it as an investor. Like, how should people be? taking advantage of this? I mean, is this overall an opportunity or is this really a threat? And should people be more optimistic or more concerned about what happens next? Yeah, those are really good points. Those are really good points. And I think that uh, after this, hopefully people walk away with some strategies on how to capitalize and maybe make a good return. Yeah. And spoiler alert, uh, I told you guys when I was selling um, and that was, you know, started in January uh, with the OGI run. Uh, that that kept going uh, into I think a week and a half to two weeks ago when the canopy earnings gave the market a bounce um, and I was sitting on a large cash position and now after Thursday and Friday I've deployed or redeployed back a good chunk of that so we're gonna touch on that later at the end of the episode in regards to you know the trading strategies or the investing you know shorter term investing strategies. Um, and, and what I've been doing, not that that's necessarily what you should be doing, but just so you know. Mm-hmm. So first things first, um, what the hell is going on? There's so much. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. What is okay, going so, on? So Abby, why don't you talk for a second about broader markets and how they've reacted to Corona and why they've done that. For sure. I'm going to go back one step further. We talked about this in the summer when we talked about the yield curve inversion and how people were trying to panic um, and how the markets uh, tend to overreact. Yes. Right. So we've been in a very long bull market. Yes. For those of you who don't know what that means, it means that the market has been increasing steadily year over year. Um, yeah, and, and, for, and for clarity, you're talking about broader markets, not cannabis. Not cannabis general, markets. General, market, general investment market, general which investment is markets, much, the, much larger than cannabis. Right? Exactly. Everything you can possibly think of. Um, the now, economy let's has Let's call been it doing S&P 500. Well. S&P 500, the Dow Jones, the US, they've all been going up um, for what's been the longest run bull market in the history. So a lot of investors were cautious leading into 2020 mm-hmm. anyways. They were yep. afraid that, hey, look, what what goes up must come down, 
which is not necessarily the case in the stock market. Right. But, you know, a lot of people people had that trepidation and a lot of, uh, we'll call them sophisticated portfolio managers, had started increasing their cash positions, meaning that they started taking profits and sitting on large amounts of cash because they thought that the market would correct itself, right? Right. Um, and, 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 and sorry, just to cut in here, it's always important to differentiate between the fundamental businesses underlying everything and then the capital markets, right? Right. So um, everything was, was pretty good at the end of the year in 19, but there was just a feeling, a trepidation well, that yeah, all were... good things have to come to an end. This economic expansion would start to turn the corner and we might go, be going into a recession. Right. Well, what had happened with the economic expansion was it had, it had started to slow down, which means it was still growing, but it wasn't growing at the same pace. Sure. So that gave a lot of people some fear. Uh, also, on top of that, you had the trade war that was going on between right, U.S. and China, which right. you don't hear about anymore. Yeah, that's gone. Right? <laughs> it's not gone. Well, it's they, they, gone. they uh, I think they won the trade war. They gave us, they gave us an export that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's what was kind of going on. And then recently, early in January, there was uh, uh, the coronavirus started to come out. Right. right. Nobody knew what it was. It was just kind of uh, restricted within China and Wuhan. Um, and there were some cases that were kind of coming out, but most people were brushing it off because the, yeah, including me, yeah, the World Health Organization wasn't saying it was a pandemic, which I don't think they still are to this to, till today. I looked earlier today, and they've now increased it the the, the severity, risk, yeah, the, the risk, risk, but they uh, haven't said it's a pandemic yet. Right. And I googled what defines a pandemic. Mm -hmm. A pandemic means that if the virus goes into areas where it did not originate from Wuhan, like it just becomes airborne. Like you're not in isolation anymore. You know what I mean? So Does it's already any a pandemic sense? then. No, no, no. Because most of the people have had some sort of trace back oh, to Wuhan. Oh, I see. So like if you get sick, even and, though yeah, you've never been to Wuhan. Yeah, exactly. Then it's like, pandemic. then they're like, okay, this is a pandemic. That's I a mean, very loose definition. It's pro It probably was. It was on Instagram yeah. that I read it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's from incredible. It's Kim Kardashian's Instagram account. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so long story short of what's been happening this week we basically had this in the increased fear of the coronavirus so you started seeing the coronavirus appear in europe um you started seeing uh manufacturing numbers come out from china uh you started seeing people saying hey listen like you know this is actually going to affect gdp and then boom that was a straw that broke the camel's back right and everybody ran for the for the exits that, and so that, uh, yeah I'm, gl I'm glad you put it that way so so a uh, uh, rush towards the exits that's exactly what it felt like right, right. is is people exiting positions to raise cash and just to bridge the gap on something you said there we ended the year with what it felt like and it's always hard to say sentiment right but it felt like a little bit of trepidation over the fact that hey we're going to turn into a recession or there's a potential for it right yeah people have been talking about that for a really long time right but if you actually then look at the first sort of six weeks of 2020 we started hitting all-time highs again Right. So, so that I felt like we were kind of shedding that a little bit, and people, you know, the the it was a risk on mentality again, mm -hmm. um, and then this is a total reversal of that, right? So, I I believe we were at all time highs for the S and P. Certainly, we were for the TSX, mm -hmm. and now we've just completed a ten percent pullback, which is I think historic or near historic in how quickly the correction has happened. Right. And now, again, it's always important to differentiate when you're in the middle of of panic. Is this temporary will we bounce back in a month right in a week in three months we don't know yeah. right so right now it truly feels like we're in the midst of a panic with regards to coronavirus um and we don't 
really know how long, like how deep this goes, or if this is really just, you know, like it's in the being in the middle of the vaping scare. Remember, like there was a there was a period there in the middle. Of, you know, I don't know if it was a couple of weeks or a month or whatever. Yeah, in September. Uh, yeah, I remember October first actually being the lowest day because I remember very clearly because that was the day I sold, <laughs> uh, like the lower half of my portfolio. Right. Um, and I was kicking myself because you know two days later it was up. 20% or 30% or something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it ended up being a blessing in disguise for me personally because uh, I sold that lower half of the portfolio. And once I was out of it, I never really wanted to go back to the lower quality names. And I never did um, up until now, which has been a real blessing. Right. Right. So just to bring it back to cannabis. But the point is, we started the year off one way, you know, that mentality shifted. You know, we, we ran pretty hard and now we're sort of correcting. And we don't really know what happens next, mm-hmm. right? So, um, in the beginning, by the way, when we chatted about coronavirus, I, I mentioned that look, if you look at the number of cases we have and you look at the number of deaths we have, it's actually not that bad. So, for example, uh, the number of deaths deaths right now worldwide is about three thousand people. Uh, the number of people who get killed by the flu every year in the U.S. is about thirty thousand. Okay. And a lot of the same demographics in terms of older people and more vulnerable people die from the flu, you know, similar to the corona. Uh, however, there's some very legitimate and very smart people who are saying, look, manufacturing is starting to take a hit. Um, shipments of things from China are being delayed or turned away altogether. Yeah. And by the way, like if, you know, when it comes to things like auto manufacturing, you know, if you have nine out of 10 parts to build a car and you don't have the 10th part, you don't have a car. Right. right. It's like you, you really are stalled and delayed. And that's been going on for some time now. Right. So maybe you can get over a couple of weeks of delay. Mm-hmm. Once you start getting into a couple months, you could really put some companies out of business. Right. And anecdotally, I heard a story just today with somebody I was with about a construction project in Toronto, a condo that's being built. And they had some beautiful kind of like marble uh, stone that they were using for the facade. Um, and that shipment, I guess, has now been delayed or turned away at the port. Oh, this is brutal. I just yeah. bought a condo. Yeah. And I know they're going to delay it. They're going to delay it. They're going to be like, oh, God, this is. Well, well, this is this is what you were saying to me earlier. Well, well that... I was talking to you because I said yeah. this has been a mild winter, so right. there's no way that my condo is getting delayed no, any I'm further. No, I'm, I'm not talking about your condo, Abby. I mean, oh. you, were, you were saying to me earlier, like, this will now be the new excuse for every company. Oh, that it is. Every company that misses their numbers will now suddenly be like, well, you know, Coronavirus. What can we do? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Constellation is going to come out next quarter and be like, "Look, we took a huge write down on our Corona sales because, like, Corona. You know, it's right in the name. What are we (laughs) supposed to do?" Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're, they're like, Facebook is going to come out and be like, hey, we missed earnings because coronavirus. <laughs> People weren't going online. Which is the most bizarre things ever. So, so to round it out, look, I mean, it is starting to delay projects. It is really starting to hurt some companies. Um, and the fears, uh, the, the fear is that it worsens. It, co- it could lead to a recession. It could com- put companies out of business. Um, and the qu- next question is, are the fears overblown? Right, which which kind of leads to opportunity versus threat, but we'll get to that later. But are the fears overblown? And I'll go first. I personally think they are. It has a relatively low f- fatality rate. Um, overall, it has a fatality rate of about two to three percent, which is quite a bit higher than the flu. Um, however, it's because when you actually break it down by age demographic, the older ages are a lot more susceptible to it. The younger ages are way less susceptible to it. So if you are you know, healthy and under, let's say, like 40, 
your ch- your mortality rate is like under like half a percent or something, right? But when you get into the older categories, it does jump considerably higher. Um, however, the the ability of it to spread, the ability of it to cause panic, that is very real. Mm-hmm. And if that shuts down factories, shuts down shipments, um, shuts down you know people's ability to do business, that is a very real threat. Right. Right. Um, I would agree with you, but let's have some banter here. Um, you know what? I mean, maybe it's not overblown. Maybe it's not overblown. Maybe there is a case to be made. I mean, to this extent, no, absolutely. I think it's, it's overblown, but I think it is something that should be factored into, uh, forecasts going forward. It's very difficult to factor the coronavirus. The problem now is think about all the stuff that comes out of China that's why they're turning stuff away at the port, right? Oh, so, gotcha. So this becomes a huge, huge problem because the amount of infect, infected or contagious material is probably right. very small in reality, um, but they have, you know, you don't know, right? So they have right. to turn things away. So, you know, now multiply that out, you know, when you when you realize how much of the supply chain of every single business comes from China, yeah, right? And you, you multiply that out and play it out across a, you know, interconnected economy, yeah. it's a big problem. Yeah, and China's lar- one of the largest economies in the world, if not the largest. Yeah, probably the largest manufacturing economy. Yeah. Right? It goes into everything that we use. Um, so that's, that's the overblown element. Like, I, I do think we'll get over this, but this person was saying it's very likely that, like, this is coming to North America. Like, it will come here. And it's a well, matter. I mean, I, I don't know if you're talking the virus or if you're talking the the ripple effect on the markets. But no, if you're talking Corona, the, Corona, like like it's, it like hasn't the, really hit us yet. We have a tiny, tiny amount of cases. Yeah, I mean, look, listen. I, I hope I hope it doesn't come here. But I'm saying the ripple effects in the capital markets have definitely hit, taken place, um, and we're seeing it not only in the in in the large caps, but you know the high risk asset classes like cannabis, for example. You and I were talking about this today. You're under the belief that you know there's no way Corona should affect cannabis because most of it is pretty domestic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't really affect you know you don't you don't really need the the manufacturer from China. But look at the cannabis companies; they're getting hammered, and sure. I think that's just because a lot of people are you know running for the exits and they're taking profits or losses or whatever and wherever they possibly can. They're taking liquidity when they can. Sure. Okay. So great point. So let's move on to the next part, which is let's talk actually about cannabis and and how this actually affects what we're doing here and and what we're talking about. So first of all, we've been for uh, six weeks or something now saying, hey, the sky is falling, you know, sell when you can, raise some cash because there's going to be a lot of buying opportunities in 2020. Okay? Right. Um, to be clear. We uh, are, hold on. To be clear, we are still optimistic in the long run. Yes. Just yes, so we don't get downvoted too sure. much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, no, but that is very true because when we say sell, we're saying, look, sell because you'll want some cash to deploy into the space. To right? quality names. Exactly. Now, however... This, like, we also have to keep it real because, you know, when you look at what's happened since we did that, everything's down 30% or more. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you know, it looks like we were bang on. Not exactly because we did not at all predict that it would come from a black swan event like coronavirus. Oh, right? yeah. Like, it's, it's not. It's, yeah. So, yeah. So, we always got to keep it real, right? Coronavirus like, was not factored in any of our models. No, n- no matter no, how yeah, our models. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but realistically, like, look, this is a real black swan event. And um, it, it seemingly came out of nowhere, but I think what this demonstrates, first of all, you know, take it out, take it, file this under. It's better to be lucky than be smart, right? Um, mm-hmm. I was sitting on a pile of cash, and you know, so while everyone's freaking out, I'm like, hey, 
Like, <laughs> like yeah. Well, you're the living example of us. Yeah. Better to be lucky than to be smart. That's what I I'm mean, saying. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So, <laughs> so um, that's why I, I was in a very fortunate position, right? And but on top of that is I've done the work and I know which names I want to buy and I know in my head what the range of valuations are for them, right? So what that means is I can identify maybe not bottom because it's impossible to call bottom, but I, I can identify where there is deep value. For right? sure. And for me, I can say, you know what, this may go lower, but I know this company is going to be around longer term. Um, I can see their performance. And at this price, I would love to own it. Right. Right. And I can fire, as I say, I, I could fire a bullet at it. Right. So uh, two days, two pretty heavy days of buying for me personally. Um, but to get to sort of what you're, you know, to wrap up that point is to say that what this is very important for people to notice is that there is no bottom necessarily. When you have panic and there's irrationality in the market and people rush for the exits, prices drop precipitously. Right. So you saw things drop 10 percent across the broader market. They probably dropped 30 percent across cannabis. And if you look at the volume of sales, volume was extraordinarily high across almost every name. So what that tells you is the low, you know, unlike the summer where we said, hey, it's it's prices are low because people aren't paying attention. Right. It was prices are low because people are hitting the sell button no matter what. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just the bottom is falling well, it's out. Like, it's like game theory, right? You don't want to be left hold, holding the bag. And so what you do is you try to sell before somebody else will try to sell. And maybe you can buy it back later down when it's a little bit lower if you really like the name. Right. So right. people, people pay, like a lot of retail investors will play that game, right? I, you know, it felt to me, to be honest with you, more than retail. Like the the high high volume we were seeing, maybe it was retail because we never really know. Yeah, in cannabis, it is mostly retail. Well, well, you know, there's retail, and then you know, like we have that episode, uh, how smart are cannabis investors? Um, you know, th there is a lot of quasi institutional money, right? Yeah. So, so you know, hedge funds and stuff like that. So, uh, with high volume like that, and, and people just forcing the sell, it felt to me like those more institutional people raising cash. It's hard to say, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, re it's really hard. To say. It's actually impossible to say. Um, but it's important to note, and this comes to what you were saying about you know, my point, is that if you think about a sector that is sort of insulated from the fundamental problems of, of you know, the coronavirus, I mean, I can't really think of a better one than cannabis. Okay, because first of all, if you think about the cannabis supply chain, especially in the U.S., so like so, I don't know, software is a good example too, right? Like yeah, software companies, yeah, probably, yeah. sure, sure. But uh, you know, this isn't the software podcast, so <laughs> I'm just gonna. If it's okay with you, Abby, I'm gonna talk about cannabis. Yeah, no, it's perfectly <laughs> fine. But you can't think of one other industry. Come on, man. <laughs> well, again, software, like, no, no. Let's not talk about software. Yeah, let's sure. just continue to go no, on. Good point. Okay, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> let's not even get into it. So, so. With cannabis, I mean, if you just think about it, it's such a localized ecosystem, right? Because in the U.S., literally, you're not even crossing state borders, right? So, you know, one part of supply chain that comes from China, uh, or two parts at least, a lot of some hemp is important, imported, right? So that, that'll probably stop, which is very good for the hemp companies. Mm -hmm. And the second is vapes. So almost all vape technology and vape carts come from China. Yeah. Well, so same with like manufacturing equipment though too, right? Even some cultivation equipment will come from China. Extraction sure. equipment will come sure. from China. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And if this thing can last 60 days on a steel dish, like it's- it, That's a problem. Right. That is a problem. It's a problem. Yeah, for sure. But I think for most companies that have their infrastructure in place, 
I don't know how much, you know, other than vapes, I, I don't know how much is coming in from across. Yeah, know, no, I, I, from overseas. Exactly, right? exactly. Like if you're cultivating, if you're, if you have an operation that's already cultivating, mm-hmm. you've got a distribution channel that's localized and your sales are localized and you're selling, you know, your packaging is done in a local facility that, as well. Yeah, it's a good point. Packaging, good right. packaging could be coming from China. Yeah. Yeah. But let's say, let's say you have the package already here, your packaging is uh, being done in local, um, uh, local areas and you're selling in local stores. I mean, how is the coronavirus really going to affect you uh, as a company? Yeah. So, so again, this is a great example of, and it's so important for investors to have this differentiation between the fundamentals, right? Which are, which you look, you look and you see in the financials and the capital markets, which you look and you see, you know, on tickers and stock markets, right? Yeah. Cause they're just two different worlds and it's so important to, to note. So, so as an aside here, um, I was talking to uh, a company in uh, Miami, and I'll tell you, it was, it was, I was talking to Valence, okay? And on Monday evening, um, the conference was Monday, Tuesday. So Monday evening, their financials dropped, Q4 financials. Absolutely smashed it. Like, without question, some of the best numbers we've seen out of any company all year, right? And you know, I'm Medifarm Labs, you know, to the death, but <laughs> I, I own Valence, you know, very impressed by the performance, like, wow, blew everybody away. And the stock had been holding up and performing better than almost everybody else kind yeah. of in the lead up to the financials, right? Tuesday comes, coronavirus fears start hitting the market. It dropped like 10, 15% in a day. And if you look up to where it is today, it dropped like 33% or more since those finan- since those great financials came out. Yeah. Okay. Just for context, 30 million top line revenue 57% EBITDA margins. Yeah. Like, it was like, what, 78% gross profit margins? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think something that like that. Yeah. Exactly. And, and like, what more can you ask for, right? And, for, and to put that into context for a lot of people, those are insane numbers. Like, insane. Absolutely like, insane. Even software companies. Yeah. Probably like, they can't hit that, but like that's not something that you see in every other industry, right? And, and so, it's, and this is now their second quarter of very impressive numbers. And and you know what, we we always talked about extraction being why we liked it so much. Yeah, this is why we like it so much. It's really it's not. I don't want to use the word easy, but it's been proven that it's easier to scale an extraction company. Well, the the business model is significantly more attractive, right? And the flip side of it is just from a supply demand perspective, you know. Medifarm Labs and Valence, these are the two companies doing it well at scale in Canada, right? Um, You know, there's there's two of them, right? There's a bunch of other smaller guys. There's two that are doing large scale extraction. Yeah, and competitors and et cetera, et cetera. But I'm just saying, like, compare the number of guys doing it to the number of LPs growing cannabis, and that tells you a lot about, you know, their ability to compete in the marketplace. For sure. And can I say one other thing about Valence and the numbers that they put out? If Canopy... I'm still going to say Aurora or Afria had put out even half those numbers. This would be a completely different market. It would be like it would be like the green rush all over again. Yes. Right? And this is insane. I tell I try to tell people this all the time. I'm like, guys, look, Valens is doing these insane numbers. And I'm using that word insane because yeah. these are they're they're, they're crazy. I, I love these numbers. And then you have the LPs who are constantly losing money. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, you know, why don't uh like if if canopy like it's just it just boggles my mind that nobody is even after that Valens press release that came out people are still sort of doubting the cannabis space it's like no no, no guys like it's no longer cultivation hmm. we've moved on from there so this this goes to the point that I was making with regards to hey guys like watch out because a big iceberg is headed our way 
is that the level of sophistication of even the even the quote unquote smart money, it's really not there in my opinion. Like nothing in cannabis is easy. Um, and actually investing is quite difficult too. Like the level of sophistication you need to understand what's going on is quite high. And, and a lot of people just don't have it. They haven't invested the time and energy into it. Um, and the problem with a lot of the smart money, I keep using quotes here, is the smart money is that they might be dabbling in cannabis or not specializing. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I want to say, you know, I don't want to deter people. I don't even think you need to be that sophisticated to fully understand. I think you just have to invest the time and really break it down, right? Don't look at it as like a can <clears throat> excuse me, don't look at it as like the cannabis industry. Look at it as like you would look at any other industry. Say, okay, inception to completion, how does the flower get to the end user? What does the end user want and how do we get there? Right? If you look at it from those points in the supply chain, you can identify where you like to be a lot better. I'm going to disagree with you because I think that, um, I don't know, just the more I've been looking at it and, and the more I've been talking to people, I've just been saying it's just a complicated business from every angle. Oper it, it is Operationally, yes, but also just from an investing perspective, it, right? It is, it is more complicated than most uh, businesses. I'll give you that. Like you look when, you're, when we're talking in the States, you've got the 280E. Yeah. You've got all these uh, artificial jurisdictions that are being propped up based off of legislation mm -hmm. that a lot of other industries don't typically uh, have to face. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I, I think that's, again, just if you invest the time to just read about these things, like these aren't, like they're not, they're, it's not like you're doing rocket science here. Yeah, I right? agree, but it, it's like drinking from a fire hose. That's what I'm seeing. Like it's just, for sure, it's for just sure. so there's, hard. There's yeah, so there's many a markets. lot of information out there's there. so many companies, and then it keeps changing. It changes so quickly, right? So it's like, that's why it's complicated. But, 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 anyway, but it's like, not like, let, let it's me, not like, hold on, it's not like, because... Cannabis gets compared to biosciences all the time, right? Biosciences, that's a very complicated industry to understand, right? You look at like a new drug that's being manufactured, you need to know a lot about the drug, the patients, et cetera, et cetera, before you can even know which, which one's going to get FDA approval and whatnot, right? With cannabis, it's a little bit different because there's that recreational and medical side to it. Don't get me wrong, there is still, you do, you have to invest the time and you do need some sort of intelligence to, to invest in it. But it's, I, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that like, hey, you have to be the sophisticated savant to understand how to invest in cannabis. You really don't. Well, you need to, you need to, you keep saying it, you need to invest the time and energy. Right? Yeah, you definitely have and, to invest the time and energy. And it's a significant investment of time and energy. For and, sure. And unfortunately, if you're only playing with a few thousand bucks, which, you know, a lot of retail investors might be. Um, it's hard to justify the investment of time and energy, right? For sure, for It's like sure. you need more significant amounts of capital to be able to make the dollar gain worth it, right? Because even yeah. if you know if you have two thousand bucks, you double your money. Nothing wrong with that. That's it's a great. lot of money. That's great, right? But I, all I'm saying is the time and energy you have to put into it. The barrier is quite high, right? So right. So if you could, if that was two hundred thousand dollars, it's a big difference, right? Right. But I mean, the time does eventually go down, right? Like once you start becoming a little bit more, yeah, for well -versed, sure. Like for anything sure. else, for sure. Like and, that, and that's the point I was making is like, you know, I'm able to make these quick decisions now because we've invested the time and energy, mm -hmm. right? But that <laughs> it's a considerable amount of time and energy that yeah. we put in, right? Yeah. But so, so let me finish the point here on Valence. So Valence has a smash of a quarter, like better than anybody could have asked for. Um, Huge cash position, you know, check, 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 right? And, and I should clarify that because I just got back from the conference, I haven't been able to pick through the financials and read the cash flow statement and all that, right? So, but from a surface level, it looks great. 
stock gets absolutely hammered along with everything else. No level of differentiation. You know, yeah, sure, it held up maybe a little bit better than the, than the really low quality stuff, but certainly does not make sense for the type of quarter they just had, right? And um, there was frustration talking to them, like, look, this is ridiculous. Like, we, and, and I appreciate from them that it was like, hey, we want to deliver value for our shareholders. And my, my whole thing was, guys, value, like the scoreboard of value is the financial statements, right? So to me, the scoreboard that I check, you guys are doing everything right. So I, I just want to make this point. The scoreboard is not, uh, is not the stock chart. The scoreboard is the financial statements. And that's why I keep harping on you have to look at the financial statements. And if you don't know, you got to learn. Because if your scoreboard that you're checking is the stock chart, then you're going to be looking at, oh my God, it dropped 30% in a week. What did they do wrong? And it's like, no, they didn't do anything wrong. The investors are acting a certain way, mm -hmm. right? So in the short term, the market is a voting machine. But in the long term, the market is a weighing machine. For sure. Right. For sure. And that's a Warren Buffett quote, by the way. And that's and that is something I wholly, wholly subscribe to because as a commercial real estate investor, if suddenly an asset is out of favor, and, and I've told this story before about industrial assets in Toronto, industrial was totally out of favor and the yields you could get on it were going through the roof, right? So if you look at it from a stock market perspective, the chart was falling, right? People didn't want to buy it and, and people were selling, 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 and you could buy it at attractive yields. And now it's completely in only a couple of years turned on its head. So now those the same asset you bought for you know fifty to one hundred bucks a foot is you know one hundred and fifty to two hundred plus a foot, right? right? So you're clipping. Not only were you getting a good yield, you're now getting all that appreciation if you if you choose to sell it, um, and that's because you bought something out of favor, right? You did something a little contrarian, right? Right. And and that's for most real estate investors, that's exactly what they want. They want a good yield. Right. Well, even for capital markets people, like I, I want to add to this, one of the portfolio managers that I used to work for, it was actually one of the first jobs that I had, uh, whenever prices would move drastically or go against um, his analysis or the team's analysis, he'd always ask one thing and he'd always go to the team and say, what's changed right, mm -hmm. on the company? What's changed? Right. And if it wasn't anything on management, if it wasn't anything material, he would buy more. If it wasn't related to the fundamental underlying business. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, I, it, yeah, it, if it wasn't relying, I mean, sometimes there's like indirect things that could affect the company, like, oh, legislation changed or right. something, something. Yeah, but like, again, that's a change that would, like if legislation changes, then it would under impact eventually, the underlying business, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's not that something changes today for the underlying right. business, but it could, whatever, whatever, right? It could trickle down and do it. So he would yeah. always ask, you know, what's changed? And that's something that I like to ask too. When I see right. big movements in my, Absolutely. In, in my port or big swings in my portfolio, sometimes it's okay, well, what's changed? Uh, it can work both ways, right? If things are going, if the price is down 30% and nothing's changed, you could be buying. If the price is up 30% and nothing's changed, you could be like, okay, I got to get out. There you go. Right? You, you absolutely hit it on the head. I'm glad you said that because we've been saying for the last little while now, talking about, I think we have an episode called uh, Predictions for 2020. came out in January. It was our first episode of the year. And one of my big points was I'm a buy and hold kind of guy. Um, but I think in this market, the way it's ripping up and down, and I see that volatility increasing, not decreasing, I think you got to play it. I think, I think right. you got to- Right, and there's a gotta, term. Yeah, there's a term right. for that. And it's called sell discipline. Right. right. So yep. you have a sell discipline, sell which discipline, means when sure. you entered the stock or when you entered the company, not stock, when you entered the company. There we go. Yeah, when you enter the company, you had a price 
you had a buy price and you should probably have a sell price and the sell price should be justified based off of the fundamentals right right and so when it hits that sell price you you, you got to look you got to reevaluate and if nothing's changed then you know you've got to hit you got to take profits too right right you absolutely. might miss you might you might not clip the top but again absolutely you know sell discipline is just as important as buy discipline and this is again one of our 2020 predictions was look look fomo is dead you need to kill fomo inside yourself because the lesson you should have learned Mistakes were made, lessons were learned, were they? Uh, is that when things are going up 20, 30% and they feel like they can go to the moon and you're like, oh, I want to hold because this thing's going to you know, go to the moon, you got to take some money off the table. And thank the Lord that I learned that lesson this year because that's what has made me a ton of money so far, allowed me to have cash in the bank and has allowed me to deploy pretty aggressively in the last two days and still have a cash balance. Yeah. Okay? So let, let's... Let's sort of round off the point here and talk about Corona and the opportunity in front of us. So our thesis, maybe it's my thesis, I don't know, but has been um, that there's a like 2008 like Armageddon situation going to happen in cannabis because of a lot of things we've talked about. But really it comes down to uh, companies with broken business models running out of money and the capital markets being dry. Okay? Right. So how does this relate to that? Well, it's it's separate to be to be clear. But unfortunately, this could be the nail in the coffin for a lot of those companies because yeah. they were already trading at a, uh, I shouldn't say discount, but they were already getting hammered. Well, and, let's not even talk stock price. They had, they had a fundamentally broken business model. Yes. They needed more capital. Yes. And they had to go to the capital markets to raise or get it by debt. Yes. Um, and now that they had a, a glimmer of hope with, you know, Canopy's earnings a, little, a couple weeks back going up prices were going back up, they could kind of say, okay, look, we can justify the, yes. the cannabis markets coming yes. back. Then coronavirus comes and says, sorry, guys, no dice. Exactly. And what's funny is when when Canopy sort of saved the market, I have in air quotes, and, and everything kind of rallied, even though I felt that the numbers weren't that good. I, felt, I thought they were actually quite bad. Um, so I was hitting sell, as yeah. I talked about last episode. But um, when that happened, I thought, you know what? Like this has just bought everybody a little bit of breathing room mm -hmm. because, as we talked about, those year-end financials for most of the companies take longer and they have more time to put them out. So I felt that hey, they're not coming out till March or April. Mm -hmm. So everybody just got bought a little bit of extra breathing room if they can hang on from a cash perspective. Yeah. Um, and the the you know coronavirus. This is just an example of wrong place, wrong time for cannabis companies. Like they just are getting hammered by this. And I think this will accelerate the death spiral. And I, I hate to call it that, but that's what it is. And just funny, being at the conference at that time, um, and, and it wasn't, it's funny because it, it was just on the last day of the conference, it was just starting to get a little bit bad. Yeah. It wasn't nearly as bad as it is today on, on you know, uh, having finished the week. Um, but there was, like, I could, you could really smell it in the air that people need capital. Like, the race was on for everybody to find a way to raise capital. So, um, what did that smell smell like? <laughs> <laughs> smell like the opposite of, uh, of the Miami ocean. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, Miami's a, a city famous for, uh, separating you from your money. So, <laughs> so they, yeah, picked, they picked a good place to have it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, all I can say is I think this will accelerate the problem. And in the last few days alone, I've talked to a couple of like good companies like better quality companies that, that deserve to, you know, that deserve to keep going who are like, look, man, we're in a cash crunch. Like we, we need some dough in the short term to get right. over the And hump. those companies will, might go to zero too, because 
if you run out of money, you run out of money, right? Yeah. So, so, and I talked to, I said, okay, I know a couple people. I, I talked to, um, you know, a guy who was raising funds back last year to do some kind of short-term lending. And he was like, man, listen, it's been brutally hard to raise capital. And with what's happening in the market this week, I just, I don't see it. Like, I, I just will not be able to access capital, right? Yeah. So this is anecdotal. It's one guy. But it, it really feels like this is quite representative of what we're seeing. Like, that was one of our predictions for 2020. The capital crunch is getting upgraded to the capital crisis. And I really think that this thing, this coronavirus situation, has put us in capital crisis situation because people who um, don't necessarily know and they look at a stock chart of what's happening with the big names, they're going to think something's going on that I don't understand, mm-hmm. right? Like they're not just going to think, oh, this is just coronavirus selling. They're going to think, oh my God, like there's a big problem here. Yeah, right? exactly. So look, this could reverse itself. It could bounce back, right? Quickly, who knows? It could snap back. But all I'm saying is this feels like it could be the death knell for a lot of these companies that we were already predicting were in a really bad spot. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the specifics, okay? Let's talk about what I was actually doing. Um, as you might guess, valence, you know, dropping to three bucks and below, hitting the buy button, guys. And great example of a company that, you know, I loaded up on uh, late last year after meeting with them and liking them and, and appreciating what the story was and, and having a good set of financials to go off of. Um, but I was also selling on the way up because you got to take profits and you got to have sell discipline. And it allowed me now to re-enter, to go at it aggressively again and, and start accumulating positions. See, I wasn't selling on the way up. I was buying because mm-hmm. I was very impressed with those numbers. And uh, I haven't been buying this week uh, as much as I'd have liked to. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I know we talked about it earlier. There's obviously no way to time the bottom. But sure. I really don't, I don't think, I think Monday's going to be worse to be honest, and totally. it's it's all speculation. Is I'm backing this off of nothing. Totally, it's just a gut feeling that I have. I didn't like how the markets closed. I didn't like how the broader markets closed. I didn't like the headlines that I saw on CNBC today. You didn't like when the TSX had a glitch and stopped working on the. Uh, yeah, on the I mean that's hap- that's happened before. The, uh, Nasdaq, or sorry, Nicey or Nasdaq, one of them had it like last year. The same same thing, yeah. You know, the power outage type yeah. type thing. Not not a good thing to happen on on a day yeah. where people are scared and selling them. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, it, it is just poor timing. I mean, that that to be honest with me, I that didn't even come across my mind because most of the stocks that I own are on the CSE anyways. So it's, well, I, I think that's why a lot of guys got hammered on the on the big boards um, today because like from a cannabis, afraid, cannabis yeah. perspective, right? Like Valence and Labs both trade on you know the TSXV and the TSX, so it's like. When they opened, I think that there's a natural sort of want to get out, you know, right. rush to the exits, as you said. For sure. And you know what? This is just something that just popped in my head as you were talking. Um, a lot of people will always say, like, well, where do you put your money when things go crazy? And a lot of people go to gold, right? And this isn't a gold podcast or we're not gold bugs. Uh, but gold is actually down as well. Really? Yeah, gold is down too. And the reason that gold is down is because uh, people are actually taking profits on that side as well. Right. People are trying to free up liquidity wherever they can. Yeah, they're trying right. to they're trying to get into into cash as much as they and can. And if you look at bond yields, they've plummeted, fallen off a cliff, and that's a rush to safety. That is a rush to safety. And if I could caution anyone, I mean, listen, this is not advice by any means, but buying bonds at this low of yields, I wouldn't do personally because it, when things do start to rally, you're going to be stuck holding a really bad bond. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I think 
I think anyone buying treasuries or, or governments, like that's got to be larger institutional buyers. Like I, I don't think private clients go out and buy bonds at one percent, right? I just well, don't, no, some I people don't like, they well, it. they'll 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 transition into uh, like a bond portfolio. Sure, right? I wouldn't do that right they'll now. They'll shift their cash over or whatever. Right? I would but, stay in cash. I'd say cash is king. Yeah, listen, at one percent, like you know, what? Like why lock yourself up for for one percent for ten years when you can just hold cash, right? So, yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, look. Let's talk about specifics, right? I'll, I'll tell you guys exactly what I was buying, and, and I'll, in all honesty, Valence was the heaviest purchase. Like I was really firing hard at Valence, and also because I'd, I'd freed up a bunch of it on the way up, I was able to buy it on the way down, right? And and I'm happy with that. Great company, happy to hold it long term. Uh, Medifarm Labs, longtime favorite. I still hold a ton of it, so I was a little more cautious on adding. But when it got to 250 and even below 250 a share, that's Canadian. Um, you know, it was time to start. You know, loading up, loading again, it up. right? So, yeah. so that was going. Um, then, just to, you know, mostly three other names, that, uh, or actually, sorry, I think four other names. So, Trulieve was dipping below twelve bucks Canadian, so I was buying it kind of, sort of in that ballpark, which I think is is great. That some potential volatility coming up with them and the trial and stuff like that. But again, just uh, actually having, I got to tour one of the facilities down in in Miami and. It just made me feel real good about the business. Um, just a solid, solid underlying business there. Um, so I felt really good about that. GTI, Green Thumb Industries, uh, always been a big fan of. As the valuation drops, I like it more and more. So so been able to buy that. And it was under 10 bucks Canadian, sorry. And uh, it was touching like below 9 bucks Canadian today. And I was just like, I was like, man, this is, this is good. So I was buying some more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an example of a company that I didn't really sell mm-hmm. on the way up. Um, and way up just means, you know, a little bit of profit, right? And right. I, I didn't sell. So I, I, you know, it restricted how much I could buy then, right? Yeah. Because you're already holding a lot of it, right? Uh, Liberty Health, which, you know, I'm a huge fan of. And yeah. uh, I, again, was selling it with both hands uh, the other week. Got to tour the facility. Oh, sorry, not the facility, a dispensary. Um, you know, definitely not nearly as impressive as True Leaf, but certainly was. It was happy to jump back into the stock, right? Which right. I did, which would probably justify. It probably paints a clearer picture of why Trulieve is what it is, and Liberty Health is absolutely, what it is, right? absolutely. Seeing... And and it's probably worth doing an episode on that because there's some good and bad in there. It's not it's not all good, uh, but it certainly was mostly good for Trulieve. I'll tell you that, right? Uh, and then and lastly, uh, Village Farms, uh, Village Farms, which certainly has its own issues, but you know like it's it's trading i think at like 550 canadian or something which which you know when you look at the market cap is is maybe give or take you know 250 300 million canadian um, and again just solid solid company real balance sheet real sales you know not going anywhere with pearson farms a little bit of messiness with their joint venture dispute and stuff like that but again just once we clear out the dead wood which i think is going to happen um, they're just going to be in a fantastic spot. So, nice. so all of those I was firing pretty hard at. Uh, you know, I did it on Thursday. I did it again on Friday. You know, if if your gut is correct, Abby, and things take a dive on Monday, I'll go again. But right. Well, yeah. The funny thing, what, what what I've been doing is I haven't been buying in the cat in the public markets, but uh, privately, there's been a couple of raises that have come across my desk on a personal note, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to share the companies, but. Sure. Uh, they were giving huge discounts really? to what they're trading. They're, they're publicly traded companies. And, and they're doing raises And they're doing discounts. a private raise at a massive discount. Like one was like almost like 15% to what the stock is trading at today. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's because they just need the, the cash. They need well, the cash. They're, they're doing a corporate restructure. Sure. Okay. And so this is going to be, it's this is a little bit more of a convoluted play, but sure. nonetheless, I believe in the company. 
Uh, I believe in their strategy. They're looking at a U.S. expansion to do an extraction facility on the West Coast. Okay. And I think it's just what the company needs. Um, I don't own the, the stock right now, but I met with the CEO. So it's a good way to get in. Yeah, it's a great way to go, get sure. in, and I have a lot of uh, faith behind him. And uh, This gentleman has, you know, he's proven himself in, in other companies, and he knows how to take uh, exits an opportunity. And a lot of people have asked me, because I've, a lot of people ask me, well, wh why would you buy the private and not just buy in the open market? And it's like, well, look, look at the price difference. Yeah, you're, right? getting, you're getting a good, yeah, you're yeah. Getting a, a nice, a nice uh, uptick on that, right? Exactly. So, so that's, it's interesting you say that because I find the problem with, you know, good and bad to private equity, right? But uh, one of the problems is like things move, problems are, I don't know if it's good or bad, but things move a lot slower. So, you, you know, in the broader markets, a 10% dip is like, oh my God, like it's like, you know, catastrophic, right? It's on right. every news network or whatever. For us, and, and it's funny, like doing, you know, cannabis so much, you're like 10%, like what? That's like a bad day. Like, you know, what's the, what's the <laughs> big deal? That's an afternoon, yeah. Yeah, like what's the big deal, guys, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, and that's that just also shows you why cannabis is, is hard to stomach sometimes, the volatility, because uh, right. these crazy red days that you have, it's like people aren't used to seeing that. And it's, you know, you I almost have the advantage not being a stock market guy because if it drops seven points, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, that's that's what it does. It's volatile, right? Like, yeah. you know, I don't realize how outsized of a drop that is, right, mm -hmm. compared to broader markets. Um, so the point being that, you know, I like private equity, but in today's market, I like the publics more because the companies that I love... Well, the valuations you're getting on the public sector now make sense, right? It's not yeah. like 2018 where you would never find a company that was trading one times revenue or even discount to revenue. Well, the, yeah, there's two things, right? The, the fun, the, my scorecard, the financials have evolved considerably. So now there is revenue and profits and margins and blah, blah, blah. And, mm -hmm. that, and then now, um, you know, the good and bad of public is the valuations, like a lot of buyers and sellers don't even look at the valuations or, or multiples or whatever, right? So... Mm -hmm. You know, on the way up, they weren't looking at that. And on the way down, they're not looking at that, right? So now I get to be the guy who's like, you know, going in there and picking up the scraps because you might not be looking at the PE multiple, sir. You just want to get out. Right. But I am, I am, right? And I'm happy to own that company even if the stock goes down further because I'm like, look, if I own it at a 5 PE, like a 20% sort of return, mm -hmm. right? Then I'm very happy with that. Like 20% is a phenomenal return for mm -hmm. a company, you know, like Valence, who's, who's, you know, doing everything right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Right. So that's kind of the hat that I'm wearing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's more uh, opportunity to take advantage in the public markets right now. Right. So to close it off, I mean, on the, the whole thought of coronavirus, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens next. I, you think it's overblown? I, I think it's overblown in terms of the actual risk to humans and like the death toll and stuff like that. But look, there's a very legitimate case to be made for how it how it legitimately hurts businesses, right? Yep. And and shipments coming in from China getting turned away for a lot of industries, that could be a killer. Yeah. Right. And like how long does it last? Sixty days. I know, I know so far. <laughs> yeah. Right? But I'm saying like, as you know, obviously, uh if this thing goes on another two months, like Jesus, like some companies can't survive that, right? Oh, it'll be brutal, yeah. Yeah, so so you not know, just cannabis companies, like big, like no, big like companies. real companies, yeah. yeah, like guys doing construction projects, like yeah, you know, having that crane up is not cheap, right? So no, so it, it hurts everybody. It's not good, and 
our ecosystem is very intertwined, right? And if if you don't have money and you can't pay your pay your workers and they can't buy groceries, like it just cascades and cascades and it's terrible mm-hmm. for everybody. And that's what we've been saying about cannabis is like even if you lose only a couple of companies, it cascades. Yeah. And it hurts everybody, right? So um let's see what happens. I can't call bottom because we don't know what bottom is. I think that this is going to keep getting worse for cannabis before it gets better. There might be still there might be a quick pop back on some of these companies. Sure hope so. Yeah. Um, however, I can't call bottom, but I can call deep value. Right. Right. And that's what I just keep saying is like, I don't need to play on the edges to make money right now. I don't have to guess what the maybe companies. I can guess. I can go for the hell yeah companies. Yeah. And because of how. Uh, uh, distorted the market is, the public markets are, I get to buy the hell yeah companies at hell yeah prices. Right. Right. So we go right down the middle, deep value on names that I love. Mm-hmm. And guys who I kind of like or like, I'm like, yeah, there could be something good there. Honestly, I'm not even touching. Really? I'm not even, like, there's a couple of names on my list who are like, yeah, you know what? I, at the value you're trading at, you know, if, if you go from a maybe to a yes, there's going to be a huge value pop. Yeah. Right? And you could make, you know, instead of 20%, maybe you make 50%. Right? Yeah, yeah. But like I said, that FOMO for me is gone, right? It's not like, oh, I only made 20%, I'm upset. No, no, no. Like capital preservation, being able to sleep at night, you know, feeling good and, <laughs> and being able to hold. It's funny you're saying capital preservation in the cannabis industry. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Though, yeah, right? it's funny. Yeah. Like I'm investing in cannabis, but I know when I buy Valence, it's going to be here for me a year from now. Yeah, I feel yeah. that way about those those you know six names I just gave you. Yeah, I feel all of them will be here, and they have cash. They have cash flow. They're you know profitable or close to profitability, and have a clear pathway. Right. Like, all of the things that I need to see and like to see, they have. And again, there's a couple of their peers, um, who maybe are you know close. Yeah. But if you're not right down the middle for me right now and I, can, I can't close my eyes and I don't know your business that well, yeah, forget about it. You're out of here, eh? Yeah. So my call is that this could get, this is, you know, th- we still haven't hit that Armageddon moment I'm talking about because I keep saying we've got four companies who've gone broke so far. It's more like 40 that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we're not there yet. This could be an accelerant. This could be nothing and everything could bounce back, you know, two weeks later. We'll see. Just remember, the scorecard is not the stock chart. The scorecard are the financials. Makes sense. There you go, guys. There is your Coronavirus Investing Network update. Uh, Hope you guys liked it. Send us an email. Let us know what you're thinking. CINpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time.